and welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark. I'm Doug Keck, your host. Our good friend, author, deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Our Life of Service, the Handbook for Catholic Deacons, published by Ave Maria Press, available naturally through the EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com, for all things Catholic. Speaking of Catholics, welcome, Deacon. It's Thank always you. great to uh, have you on this program in person. Uh, we did do a show recently together uh, on the Catholic sphere, uh, talking about some theological issues, and uh, you know, how many series have you actually done for us over the years now? Nine, nine, nine. television series. Yeah. Nine series, and how many books have you written? Uh, that's my fifth one. That's your. Fifth. <laughs> and what, what's your most popular book so far? Uh, I would have to say, "Behold the Man," Behold the first the man. one, which right. is based on the EWTN series, by right. the way. So you did the that's series a, first, yes. and then did the book. Okay. Yes. Well, I, I didn't think I'd ever be an author and write a book. Oh, right. But Ignatius Press was interested, and so when we were kicking around ideas, mm -hmm. he said, no, we haven't seen anything about the theology of male spirituality. Right. He said, why don't you do something on that? I said, well, I basically took the script right. I did for EW10 and sure. turned it into a 300-page book. So. Right, and that's where we were doing some of our EW10 publishing, doing some of that. Yes, and well, the, some, the book I did for Tolta, I didn't do a series on him, but right, right. that book's done very well as well. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's right. You're one of our first authors, actually. Mm -hmm. So our Life of Service, the Handbook for Catholic Deacons, now, it's a very nice book, but I'm not a deacon. There's a lot of people out there who aren't deacons. Maybe they should be deacons. I think you're a, a walking advertisement for consideration of the diaconate. Why would I want to pick up this book? What, what insights would I get if I wasn't a deacon? Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I wrote, well, there's several reasons I wrote the book. One, I was sitting at home during the pandemic, like, what do I do now? So I might as well write. And I've always wanted to contribute to the ongoing discussion and dialogue and development of the diaconate in the life of the church. And so in, in reflecting on um, almost 20 years now of, of ordination, mm -hmm. um, I was thinking about, you know, some, still some of the misconceptions, still some of the um, uh, people not fully understanding what a deacon is and what his role is in the church. Uh, in a sense, we're still in the infancy stage in the life of the church, right? Mm -hmm. 1960s is, till now is really nothing. Right. Um, and so I wanted to write a book where people could really try to understand, appreciate mm -hmm. what diaconal spirituality is all about, what it means to be a deacon, what that looks like in the life of the church, particularly through the lens of service. Right. Yeah, so that, that's Which why it's key. called a life of service. Right. Exactly. Well, the word diakonia in Greek, the word deacon means servant. Right. You know, so I wanted to, I wanted to explore that a little more deeply. Well, it's interesting, too, to me in thinking about it. You know, I remember when the diaconate first came out, and it seemed like early on it was kind of like uh, there was a, a quick ramp to get people in and ordained, and there wasn't the, quite the formation. And I think there was a decision at some point, it seemed, to say, we really got to slow the process down and, and make sure these men are actually formed because they're actually being ordained. That's correct. And right. so about 1997, uh, the Vatican came out with a directory for the ministry and life of deacons and a separate one on the formation of deacons. Okay. And so what the U.S. bishops did, they took that document and they created one for uh, diaconate formation in the, in the United States. In fact, it's just been updated and revised, and uh, a new one is, is out now. You, you talk about in the beginning, and we can talk about the format of the book as well, but in the introduction you talk about uh, family dynamics, saying yes to God every day is, is, is a challenge. One of the things that strikes me, and you talk about it later in the book, is the idea that this is really a team effort, isn't it? In the yes. sense that it, 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 in a sense, it's like a little like marriage encounter was for my wife and I. It was really something you two of you had to do together. And even coming to Alabama to work for EW10, it was something we both had to say, this is what we think 
we're being called to do. And it's likewise with your wife, right? Yeah, oh, exactly. So, so what happens, Doug, is that the even church... Even more so, actually. actually even yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the, what happens is that the church recognizes and sees certain men serving well mm. in their families, and they're sharing those gifts with, with in the parish. And so I said, well, maybe this man is called to use those same gifts for the church. And the, the wife uh, is, if the, if the, the, man, the young man is married, is it's an extremely integral part of that because the first sacrament is, is marriage, matrimony. Right, absolutely. Right. You know, so the wife, in a sense, has to share her husband with the church. And what you don't want, the church to become like a mistress, right. <laughs> you know. Right, right. Um, but and so my wife has been amazing, completely supportive. Mm -hmm. And um, in many dioceses, the wives go through the formations with their husbands. Um, for us in, uh, in our side of Portland, not the academic mm -hmm. part of it, but, but the other piece of it, the wife has to say yes along the way. And if she says no, then you're out. Right. So It talks about a life of principal service, devotion to the Word, Eucharistic lifestyle, purity of heart, filial devotion. One thing that struck me initially, I was thinking, well, I might, I might be interested. And then I saw you get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I said, well, this isn't for me. The other, the other part is we, we decided to do this interview in the morning because apparently you're not very productive in the afternoon. Is that a, <laughs> is that a normal thing or what? So uh, because of my travel schedule, I try to keep my body on Midwest time, on Central time. Mm -hmm. And so that's what that's about. So, and plus, I'm getting older, so I need a little nap in the afternoon sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but my, but everything revolves around prayer. So I try to consecrate my day uh, to the Lord. So there's the specific times that I pray: uh, Rosary, Chaplet, of course, the Office, and and other devotionals as well, as a way of consecrating the day to the Lord. It says here, I'm often asked, what is the most rewarding part of being a deacon? The expectation response is something like my travels around the world or being a Catholic media personality or even meeting the Pope. The truth I, is I am most fulfilled when I visit longtime parishioners in assisted living communities. Yes, that's right. Um, that's right. People think, oh, man, it must be great being a deacon, get to do EWTN and all this stuff. And that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. But the most rewarding part is when I go visit people um, who were in the parish for years. They were such an integral part of parish life. And now, you know, they're, they're uh, elderly and now they're living in assisted living communities or they're homebound to go and witness the Christ's love to them, to bring them the Eucharist, to, to uh, still feel that they're connected right, to the parish. Right, they're not forgotten. Yes, that right. they're not forgotten. It's a beautiful thing. Or going to the hospital and visiting people there when they're sick and praying with people, right. you know, in their moments of need is and beautiful. And that's, that's, that's one of the great values of EW10. And so many times, you know, we hear those stories from people about in the, their final days or in the hospital and the comfort that the network gave them. That's you know, so true. Absolutely. About the book you talk about, Our Life of Service. Now, it's often expressed, they, they talk about the function of the, the deacon as charity. Why charity? Yeah, so there's three what they call munis in Latin, or functions, tasks, or duties, or day ministry. Um, and for the diaconate, it's, they often phrase it as word, mm -hmm. altar, and charity. Well, you're a Latin guy. You know? Apparently. Yeah, but I like docendi santa vacanda regendi, teaching, sanctifying, and leading. Mm -hmm. So uh, charity is a beautiful word because I mean, it's in the catechism. That's the highest you know, of the theological virtues. Mm -hmm. But sometimes charity that word can be misconstrued to mean social workers, like charitable right. stuff, which again, that we're called to, but we're not social workers in that sense. We're, we're supposed to bring Jesus 
to people that are not just poor but also spiritually poor. Right. You know, so there's there's a, a greater Which does depth. get lost sometimes. Yeah, it does in, get even lost. Even in the general work of the church, I think. Exactly, and that's lost. why I wanted to add another layer and depth and more balance to right. that perspective of that last moon. It's that third tier right. of leading and, and, and charity and service. You say being a deacon is not only about working with the poor, as you just said. The service ministry of the deacon is broad and deep, encompassing spirituality, the church's mission and structure, preaching, family, and parish life, and the wider community outside the parish boundaries. You go on to say each chapter of the book focuses on one of the above characteristics of the diaconal service by providing a th theological reflection, questions for self-evaluation, goal setting, and concluding prayer. Was that your idea to set it up that way? Yes, and working with uh, the editor. Right. Uh, yeah. So we decided to make it um, uh, a tool mm -hmm. that can be used for men in formation, uh, for men in the, in the diaconate, even as a continuing education piece as well. So, so to be able to not just write theology, but to have them reflect about their own experiences as a deacon, how they can grow, mm -hmm. you know, spiritually as a deacon. Uh, for men and their wives using this book as, you know, is, are, you know, are we called to this? Right. So, you know, obviously he's, he may be called this, but they, they evaluate that together. So they can use that as a tool to discern together prayerfully if, uh, you know, the man is actually called to uh, diaconate. It's serving the spiritual life. You talk about the gift of vulnerability, and then you go to say, as, as I wrote in the book on male spirituality, Behold the Man, many of the temptations and challenges men face today are rooted in our inability to be vulnerable. How so? Our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross is completely vulnerable. And people in the culture would look at that and say, look at that man, he's weak and he's defeated. Mm -hmm. But remember 2 Corinthians, the Lord speaking through Paul says, my power is made perfect in weakness. It's when I'm weak, it's then that I'm strong. Mm -hmm. It was recognizing that anything that I do, the strength doesn't come from me, it comes from Jesus. And I am the instrument, God is the musician. So we have to be well-tuned instruments in our Lord's hands. And the, the, one of the most effective ways to do that is to not be afraid to be vulnerable just like our Lord was on the cross. Mm -hmm. He broke himself open and poured himself out in love. And we, as ministers of of uh, service mm -hmm. are, t are called to do that same thing for the life of the church. Well, you families. say here, with absolute trust and confidence, the deacon must not be afraid to place his heart and life in the hands of Christ. Amen. That's so hard to do sometimes. Was it We want to trust in worldly things. Was it hard well, for you? In, in, in a sense. Or does it come and go at times? No, no. In a, in a sense, it, it's, it's kind of, a, uh, you know, I, I kind of start off like, okay, I got to trust these things. Mm -hmm. But then the more I gave myself over to Christ, mm -hmm. the more I realized, because it is scary to do that. You know, he's asking you to let go. Like the decision to leave my job and to do this full time, for example. Right, you talk about because you were in security. You were in security work. And yeah, law enforcement. Like yeah, or, yeah. Or, 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 right. It was a, it was scary, but right. but now I look back, best thing I could have ever done is trust God. Now you also talk about something. One of the most important ways an ordained deacon serves the church is guardian of the Eucharist. What what do you mean by that? How, yeah. That so in the early church, there was something called the fermentum. So after mass in one, well, they call them diocese back then, but in one area, the deacon would take the consecrated host, bring it over to the next diocese, the next area where the next bishop was, and they would use that uh, consecrated host in that service because mm -hmm. it was a way of connecting the church together oh, in a common okay. Eucharist. Right, okay. And it was the deacon who was the one who did that. And so deacons have always been, in a sense, guardians of the Eucharist. Now, there were also physical guardians, too. I mean, they kept ordering the church. So if somebody got unruly, the deacon would be kind of usher and kind of throw them out as well. Mm -hmm. um, but this idea of the, the deacon as the protector, the guardian 
of, of Christ's presence in the Eucharist is, is goes all the way back to the early church. It's interesting. There's a connection here between the Blessed Mother and the idea of obedience. What's the connection? Yeah, so um, in the Annunciation, uh, she said yes. I mean, so she asked the question, how can this be since I do not know man? I mean, obviously since I'm, you know, mm. um, I, I was intended to be a virgin my whole life. Oh, you know, what, um, Gabriel, oh, don't worry. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. Oh, okay, that clears it up. No problem. Right, right. Wait, what, what does that even mean? You know, but, but she trusted. She mm -hmm. trusted because God was at work. And to, to have that kind of really innocent, childlike trust mm -hmm. that God is going to, in, in your weakness, in your brokenness, can still use you as a vehicle and, and as a witness of his love to the world is, is critical. That's why deacons are permanent, sacramental signs mm -hmm. and witnesses of God's service ministry to the world. Now, you also have other deacons commentary in yes. here as well. The first one, the Deacon Speaks Diagonal Spirituality by Deacon Dominic Serrato, yes. a PhD. Who, is he in charge of the de deacons? No, he's the editor of the Deacon uh, okay. magazine. Is that what I knew? Yes, that he was doing he's a great guy. It says, our relationship with God changed radically at ordination when we were indelibly marked as as Christ the servant. Therefore, as deacons, we have the capacity to relate to God in a particular way, in a diaconal way. Do you think sometimes people are a little confused in that way? They're not sure, you know, or, well, are you a lay person? What do you mean you're ordained? You're not, you're not a priest? Yeah, and we How don't wear clerics work? typically. Right, right. So they, you know, you're just like everybody else, right, you know. Right. And, and, and so, um, yeah, so that, that does cause a little bit of, of confusion. But the, the key is understanding what it means to be a deacon. Mm -hmm. and, and that's part of the reason why I wrote the book too, Doug, because people, okay, bishops, they get that, priests, they get that, but deacons, you're, you're not a priest, but you could do some of the stuff that priest does. And, but it's not about comparing ourselves to priests. It's a completely different ministry right. that supports the priesthood and the diaconate. Um, and, and the way I describe it, Doug, the, 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 the bishop is the one that's in charge, mm -hmm. and he has two main jobs, to facilitate communion and to evangelize. So he has the priest on the one hand to help him with his ministry of facilitating communion and bringing people together around the sacramental life of the church, most especially the Eucharist. And then the deacons help him with his ministry of evangelization, mm -hmm. of bringing that Eucharistic faith into the world. That's why the deacon dismisses at the end, Ite Misa Est. Right. You know, we, we are sending you back as to the Eucharist the priest remembers the that he's there. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father Mark remembered at Mass this morning. There you go. Oh, wow. Yeah. How, how can he forget you? In, in, in part of the end of a paragraph, one of his goal-setting exercises, here's one, you know, like spend time, Lord, Eucharistic adoration. Mm. What, why do you think people need oh, these that, exercises? Oh, that's, are they important in your spirituality? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and the thing is, we have to say exercise to, to stay healthy, mm -hmm. right? That, that's the whole reason why you exercise, to keep your body healthy. Well, we also have to, that's why I have a spiritual exercise, keep your spirit healthy as a deacon. You know, and sometimes, especially being ordained, this is 20 years for me. Um, sometimes you may get a little bit lazy, you know, you kind of slack off a bit. And for me, this was really wonderful to remind myself mm -hmm. how important it is to engage in these in spiritual activities, especially adoration. Right. I mean, to me, that's a game changer right there. Eucharistic adoration, where we listen, we actually have to listen to God speaking to our hearts, and then and then in trust and in love respond to that call. Now, in the section, why do some resist? If diaconal service is the bishop's left arm, which you explained earlier, uh, then why are some in the book anyway? Some prelates resistant to having permanent deacons ministering in their diocese. I didn't know that was even the case. Yeah, so it's really up to the purview of the bishop mm -hmm. whether he wants deacons or not. 
And whatever decision he makes, you have to respect that. Mm -hmm. I, I need to say that first off. Um, but for me, the, the, the bishops that don't have deacons, to me, don't really understand the diaconate. Somehow they see it as a threat to the priesthood somehow or unnecessary because we have lay people doing things. And uh, to me, they just don't understand the diaconate, which is another reason why I wrote this right. book, to, to give a deeper understanding of how diaconal ministry is different from every... For example, St. Vincent de Paul, you have a lay person there, you have a deacon in there, and they're both doing the same stuff functionally. But what what difference does the deacon make? That's kind of what I want to explore in the book. Right, right. Well, you'd say here, I believe the issue and the concern goes back to the Second Vatican Council of Disagreement on Bishops about the reestablishment of the diaconate as a permanent order, because most of us knew it as a transitional stage for a priest, right? Right. You'd have that situation. Uh, and you go on to say uh, that there's there were two schools of thought, and um, the quote here is, the diaconate should be recognized as apostolic in its foundation and not in its theological nature. Without getting in the weeds, what, what was the difference? Yeah, so um, there's no question that deacons were part of the apostolic life of the church. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, from Acts chapter 6 onward, Paul talks about the, the deacons in, in Timothy and in other places as well. So there's no doubt, they can't deny that. But theologically, they're saying as far as ordination mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, needing to be ordained like I priests see. and deacons, that was something. But then we see in Acts 6, they laid hands on them. Right. Right? So, so that's, that's where some of the rub was. So, they're, 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 again, they um, didn't, they, there was a fear there of, of kind of elevating the diaconate past what they thought was the point of being at, at an ordained I see. level. Yeah. I see. Uh, tips for tackling difficult themes. Uh, you talk about this, mm -hmm. uh, but you do say obviously you got to preach the truth in love. What is the most dif difficult theme for yourself, let alone other deacons, you think that they have to Well, I that? think the thing that um, is like walking on landmines or talking about things like abortion. Right talking about transgenderism, mm -hmm. talking about our brothers and sisters who are same-sex attracted. Mm -hmm. Those issues, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, in homilies uh, or other uh, uh, environments can really be um, uh, challenging mm -hmm. to speak. But, but I, talk, I said we shouldn't shy away from those things, right. but we have to speak the truth in love. That's the key, what Paul says in Ephesians 4.15. You also have tips for resolving conflicts in your ministry team. There's conflicts inside the ministry sure teams in the is. church? Yeah, so the, the, the two major conflicts I talk about, Doug, are priests who don't understand deacons, who say, well, we really want a deacon here because we got lay people doing stuff, or lay people feeling that the deacons in competition with them. They've taken away my job. Yeah, they've taken away my job. Exactly. So if one of the things, Doug, for example, right. I had a young priest come to me once and said, you know, I'm about to be a pastor for the first time, you know, and I have two deacons in the parish, and, I, and, and I'm excited that they're there, but what, what should I do with them? What I said, first of all, sit down with them, talk to them, get to know them, learn their family history, and, and then as you're doing that, start to evaluate their skill sets. Mm -hmm. right. You know, see, okay, this guy's strong here, this guy's strong, he's weak here. You know, help to build up those weaknesses and use those strengths for the life in the parish. You have to do two different things, but you're playing to the strengths and the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given them in the, the service ministry of deacon. Tying into your, your book on men, the deacon's ministry is to help men help the faith community realize that an important component of transforming parish life is to build strong men who are disciples who follow both Christ and the pastor who represents Christ. Yes. So the, the, the pattern is this. We build strong men, 
we have strong families. We have strong families, we have a strong church. We have a strong church, we take back the culture. <laughs> right. that, that's the case. So, so I think it's important that deacons work with men. Not saying that we're the ideal. I mean, we're all sinners in need of God's mercy. I mean, look at David, the greatest king in the history of Israel, who was an adulterer and a murderer. You know, so, right. but God still used him. So we don't have to be perfect or, you know, or sinless. Right. We just have to be faithful. And I think deacons can serve as witnesses to, the, to men in parishes about how to serve their families well. Preaching taken in a strictly liturgical sense also involves much more than simply the homily at the Mass. What would be an example of that? So uh, the different things that the, the deacon does at Mass, there's reasons why the deacon does them. Mm -hmm. The priest at the altar represents Jesus Christ. The deacon represents the people. Mm -hmm. So, for example, a little thing like uh, when the deacon is there, he takes a drop of water and drops it into the chalice, which is, still has wine. Why does the deacon do that? Because one of the things that the drops of water represents, well, it has multivalent meaning, right? Different levels of meaning. Mm -hmm. But one of them, that drop of water represents the people. And since the deacon represents the people, the altar, he drops the water in. Because think about it. After that's consecrated, because becomes the precious blood. You can't, you can't take the water out again. And that's the point. Right. That in that Eucharistic sacrifice, our lives are so intimately connected with the Lord's that we can't separate ourselves from him. And it's the deacon who adds that drop of water. Our hopes, our dreams, our fears, our joys, our sorrows are mixed in that will become the precious blood that we then receive from the Lord. Oh, that's awesome. That's good stuff. Uh, you, you say a journey of marriage and diaconate. Your journey to diaconate started when I believe I was called to the priesthood back in the seventh grade. Yes. Really? I, I remember sitting at Mass, and I enjoyed going to Mass, which is very unusual for a kid that age. But my mom used to sit me on the aisle um, at the pew, and then she would stand next to me, and my brothers and sisters would be on the other side because they were typical kids, like, mm -hmm. hitting each other. Mm -hmm. But my mom wanted me to stay focused. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at the altar. There's something really cool going on up there. I'm not exactly sure what it all is, but I like it. Mm -hmm. And then I started serving Mass. And even today, Doug, when I'm standing in the back, getting ready to walk up the aisle, I just, I still get that childlike mm -hmm. excitement right. and passion about the, the, the great privilege of serving at the altar right. and representing God's people because as Because you have an appreciation of what's really happened. Yes, exactly. Which is what we have to reinforce for all of ourselves, let alone all the parishioners and people watching on Exactly. One of the beautiful things the Vatican documents say is that the deacon is actually the witness for the people of reverence at the altar. That's right. awesome. Because that's why we have to understand why we do the things as deacons. Not just stand there, hold right. this, why? What's the theology behind that? And how, and how does that help you serve well, not only at the altar, but informs your ministry mm -hmm. outside of the altar to the wider church? Now, the, in the contents here, because we're not going to be able to get through all the points, but I thought this was interesting, serving my wife, serving my children, because one of the things, obviously, with this is, like you said earlier, you, you're dedicating yourself to the church, but you're a married man. You, you, you've got kids. One of the reasons, to some degree, with the church, let alone our Lord's indication but would be the practicality of married priesthood is also the or the idea of the celibate priesthood is that somebody can dedicate themselves totally yes uh, to their family being the people in the parish so what happens when you're called to do a wedding a baptism maybe you've got to go see somebody at the hospital maybe it's two o'clock in the morning you are called to do something like that and that's disrupting your kids uh, want to go to the baseball game or your wife had other plans how do you do that well, the, the first thing is family comes first. Mm -hmm. it, it has to. 
And, and those are the discussions with your wife because that means sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, saying yes to the diaconate means you're going to live a life of sacrifice. And so it's about balance and perspective. God first, family, then everything else after that. As long as you keep that perspective and understanding that there are some things that need to be sacrificed to the family because of the yes and the commitment that was made to the church. But, but that's the key. It's and about balance. That's why it's important that they understand that, that this is a commitment the family's making in a lot of ways. And, right? you have, and sometimes, Doug, you have to say no. Mm-hmm. Father wants you to do a baptism. Oh, Father, I can do the baptism. I can't do this other thing because I have right. to be my family. Right. And the priest understanding that. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, the priest sometimes may get upset because he is free because he's not married. He's free to, to give his life completely to the church just as Christ did. Right? That's what he talks about. Paul talked about sure. in Ephesians chapter 5. Um, but so sometimes he may, you know, um, uh, be upset that the deacon can't do as much as he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But again, it also comes in phases. Mm-hmm. I'm able to do more now because my kids are older. Right. You see? So it's all about finding that balance and perspective. Do you think there's a right age for somebody or a right situation for somebody to consider the diaconate? Great question. Canon law says 35 is okay. the minimum age for ordination. Okay. Now, when I started, I started at 30. So I didn't meet any of the requirements for ordination, but it doesn't matter as long as you meet the requirements by, um, by 35. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's, it, it depends what's going on in your family and your individual circumstances, case-by-case basis, uh, if, if your kids are younger, mm-hmm. right? Because some dioceses have rules where they don't allow a man to begin the formation program until um, his kids are teenagers or something okay. like that. That's what I was wondering. That's, that's not canon law. That's a diocese. Because they, they, they want to make sure that the, um, the family dynamic is well balanced with the life of the ministry Let of the church. Let me just ask you in the closing seconds here, uh, another book in the works or? Yes, as a matter of fact, it's in production right now with Ignatius Press. Okay. Uh, the working title, uh, Building a Civilization of Love, A Catholic Response to Racism. Okay, wow. That's pertinent and prescient that uh, you would write a book such as that. And you're the perfect person, so make sure you come back when it's done. Our good friend, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Our Life of Service, The Handbook for Catholic Deacons, published by Ave Maria Press, available naturally through the EWTN Religious Catalog. Very informative book. Check it out. Check us out next time right here on EWTN's Bookmark. Thanks for joining us.